Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. I know I use my family for a lot of sermon illustrations, but if you had given them the mic, I'm sure they could share enough stories about me too. But I have another one to share with you today. There is something about my dear husband that I tolerate. You will rarely find him without a toothpick in his mouth or behind his ear. I'm not sure why the one behind his ear is there, except for the fact that I think he just stores it there from when the one in his mouth falls away, and he has one on spare. And occasionally, because they drop from his ear, I will find them around the house. I found them on the floor. I have found them on the sofa. I have even found spare toothpicks in our bed. I even have proof of a wayward toothpick while he was on the worship team here at Crossroads Church. Do you see it? That was about a year ago because I can tell what sweater he's wearing. Okay? I found toothpicks all over. And you know what? This is a habit that I tolerate. It's something that Steve does. Yes, it's endearing, and I tolerate it. And I've named... (laughs) Because I tolerate this, I've made a game out of it. I have invented the Steve toothpick catastrophe jar. Here it is. Why I name it the Steve toothpick catastrophe jar is because when I find these toothpicks laying around the house, I will take $1 out of his wallet for every toothpick I find. And I put it in the jar. My friends, there is over $60 in the toothpick catastrophe jar. And it's named that because I find the toothpick instead of our dog, Tucker, finding the toothpick, eating the toothpick, and perhaps averting all kinds of catastrophes in our home. I tolerate it. This is my reward for tolerating it. (laughs) Are there things in your life that you tolerate? Things that you might not like, something you know you should change, but you keep allowing it to happen. You just... Tolerate it. It could be as simple as just reading that fourth or fifth book to your sweet three year old because they refuse to go to sleep until you do. Or you tolerate a coworker who will just drink the last cup of coffee in the work office without making the new pot. You tolerate it, you don't say a thing. Or it can be something deeper that you're tolerating, like an unfinished do it yourself project at home, or you see piles of junk, piles of stuff on the basement steps and you walk past that stuff every day. You're chuckling because you get it. You tolerate the pile of junk. Maybe you're tolerating a personal worry list because your, your worry list has grown longer than your personal gratitude list. And your worrying list is there and you're tolerating it. Maybe there's unresolved conflict in your life, and instead of seeking help, getting the necessary steps to heal those wounds, you simply said, this is not going to change. I'm just going to tolerate it. Or maybe for you, the thing that you're tolerating is an addiction or a habit 
Your family has pointed this out to you. Your friends know it's part of your life. But you're not sure you can take the necessary steps to heal from that addiction. You just keep tolerating it because it's too hard. So if you're here today and you're hoping to feel loved, you're hoping to feel supported and encouraged, I have great news for you. This church loves you. God is for you. And I'm so incredibly glad you're here for this message. I think that each one of us, if we admit it, we could name something in our life that we tolerate, something that we're enduring, something that we have accepted. So if this message is for you, I want to know it's also for me. We're in week four in our seven churches of Revelation series, and we're learning how these letters written to the churches so long ago to Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, how they were written so long ago, but they are so relevant for us today. And in Revelation chapter 2, John is writing to the church in Thyatira. This church was doing some things right, very right in fact. But there was also some things below the surface of the church that was very, very messy. And Jesus is going to call out that mess in their lives. He's going to address that mess. You see, the church of Thyatira was a tolerant church. Revelation 2, 18 18 to 29 is our passage today. And since word pictures are important for me, I've created this word picture for you. Let's think about these verses like a bookshelf where the things the church was tolerating is those books in the middle. And John will start his passage with some really good stuff the church is doing, and he'll end the passage with some good stuff the church is doing, but he's also going to address that mess. So here we go. Revelation chapter 2. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. And just like in the other messages, the other letters that we've studied so far, Jesus starts out giving some descriptors of himself right off the bat. Remember, John is writing the book of Revelation, but he's writing what Jesus is giving him. Jesus is doing the talking. And in this opening sentence, Jesus says he is the son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. Now, to understand what Jesus is saying here, we need to think about who the church of Thyatira would have worshipped, if not Jesus. And Apollo, the sun god, was who they worshipped. So it's significant that Jesus is describing himself as the son of God with flaming eyes. He's saying that his lordship far outshines the sun god. This church would know that he is far more glorious and much more powerful than Apollo. He is the son of God. There is no comparison between Jesus and Apollo. Jesus' eyes penetrate with discernment and power. Nothing escapes him. And his feet, his feet are like polished bronze, which is another symbol of power and authority. 
and his position, he stands ready to judge the sins of the church in Thyatira. These vivid descriptions that Jesus is giving would have captured the attention of this church and its members. John continues to write, and verse 19 is one of the beautiful bookends that I suggested earlier. Jesus gives some affirming words to the church. He says, I know all the things you do. I have seen your love. I see your faith, your service, and I see your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. Woohoo! Hip, hip, hooray for the church in Thyatira. I bet they all loved getting these words of affirmation from Jesus. Don't we feel great when someone tells us the good things that we're doing? Jesus is letting this church know that he sees their efforts. He's telling them he sees their love. He sees their faith. He sees their service. He sees the patient ways that they are enduring. And for John to write, you're constantly improving on all these things, tells me that perhaps the church of Thyatira at one point wasn't doing so well on these things. But Jesus is saying, way to go. You're getting better. Makes me want to cheer for this church. The message translation describes the church's efforts like this. Jesus said, I see everything you're doing for me. Impressive. The love and the faith, the service and persistence. Yes, very impressive. You get better at it every day. Gold star for the church in Thyatira. The church of Thyatira was displaying some of the very same virtues, the very same qualities that we hope to see in our church. And they were getting better at it every day. Faith, service, persistence, love in the church is a pretty big deal. And there's a scripture in Colossians chapter 3 that I will often use at weddings that I officiate. Because it helps the couple wrap their heads around what love looks like in daily life. Colossians 3 chapter 12 says, Chosen by God for this new life of love, church, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet, strength, discipline, be even tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. Pause a minute. All those virtues are important in the church. But Jesus says this. Here's the secret. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. These verses tell us what loving one another looks like every day, both in the church and in our personal relationships with one another. When we are showing compassion, when we're kind, when we're humble, when love just covers us like a coat, when it's something that we put on every day, that's what's important. That's love. Crossroads, you are so good at showing love. You are so good, I see it. I see the sacrifice you make. I see the patient love you show at activities like the harvest celebration. 
Christmas morning meal. You're here. You are extending that love to others and to our community. People see Jesus in us when we love. Where love. Way to go, church. One bookend. And before we go any farther, let's, let's just get a grip on the city of Thyatira because this is important for context in our next chunk of verses. You see, Thyatira was a commerce city, which meant it was a hub for merchants who came and went to buy and sell goods. They would come and trade. They would trade pottery. They would trade bronze. They would buy that beautiful purple fabric, the textile, that purple fabric that Thyatira is known for. And because Thyatira produced these items, many trading routes went through the city. And trading guilds were very influential. And trading guilds were very controlling. Trading guilds were much like our union, tra- uh, labor unions today. But in Thyatira's day, they also regulated prices and also limited new people coming into the trades. And the people of Thyatira, the rulers, gave the primary right to manufacture and trade certain goods to these trading guilds. We know that trading guilds were a very big deal for this city, and unfortunately, they weren't the most wholesome form of authority. You see, the traders who came to town to buy and sell were often closely connected to idol worship. So if you were a Christian in the city of Thyatira, your very living depended on who you were doing business with, who you were selling your merchandise to, and your living could be jeopardized if you didn't do business with the people of these trading guilds. In addition, the guilds that operated in and around the city held banquets. And if you were a part of Thyatira, you were expected to go to these banquets. And these banquets included worship and eating meat that was, uh, that was uh, dedicated to idols, worshiping those idols and eating the meat that was sacrificed to idols. And at every banquet, there was also that element of explicit sexual promiscuity. It ran rampant at the banquets. You may see where I'm going with this. The evil within the trade guilds was influencing the church. And while Jesus first starts out by affirming all the great things that this church is doing, all those great virtues of love, he says there's something below the surface of this church that wasn't so virtuous. They were allowing sin to have a seat in the church. And Jesus is going to call them out on it. This is that messiness between the bookends. Jesus says, Nevertheless, church, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Jesus is saying that the church of Thyatira had entered onto, stepped onto that slippery slope of tolerating sin in their churches. 
Jesus, whose eyes are like flames of fire, saw what was happening in the church and he was naming their sin. Through the false teaching of a negative influencer, these Christians had compromised. They had turned from God and they were abandoning their faith. Now there's a name in this verse that you might recognize, the name Jezebel. And you might recognize it from Old Testament readings. Jezebel was the Old Testament king, uh, wife of King Ahab. And you can read her stories in First and Second Kings. And we learn how this royal couple, Ahab and Jezebel in the Old Testament, had led the people into idol worship. And eventually all of Israel, it had spread through all of Israel, the idol worship. And it's interesting that Jesus is mentioning her name here. Now, there may have been a woman in Thyatira with the name Jezebel, but seeing her name mentioned here in relation to this church is more likely based on her character, on her reputation, symbolizing the kind of evil that was being promoted in this church, their sexual sin and adultery. You see, these Christians were tolerating the false teaching that you can follow Christ, but oh, you can also be involved in the sexual promiscuity that is happening at this banquet. As Christians, they knew better, but their actions led them to sin, and they were walking away from their faith. When we think about the church of Thyatira, we need to think about how we can make it personal to our lives today. We need to consider how it relates to us, how what they were tolerating relates to us. We need to make it personal. Making Jesus' letter to Thyatira personal means that we determine for ourselves what we are tolerating, what is leading us away from our faith. And when I think about this, my mind immediately goes to ways that we have become tolerant. Tolerant of nudity in movies, on television shows. I think about the fact that I cannot watch movies like that and still feel close to Jesus. The scenes of nudity or sex that I might see in a movie, it sticks with me. Maybe it sticks with you too. And I cannot forget what I've just seen. But also, over time, the gut punch is less and less in my life when I see those things. I become tolerant. Maybe you do too. Making this letter personal means that I also think of the ways that we tolerate drinking too much alcohol on the weekend as a way to be cool or to hang with our friends or to escape the trouble in our marriage. We tolerate the choices we're making rather than naming the problem and doing the work it takes to turn from it. But let's go just a bit deeper. Because Jesus goes just a bit deeper with this church. Jesus named sexual immorality as a sin for the Christians of that church. And I think about how we tolerate pornography in our society today. It's become, in com- it's become common. 
or we lessen the sins of adultery or of sex before marriage. Church, I think that we tend to forget that God cares about sex. He cares about sexuality. He is not passive on the topic. It matters to God, so it should matter to us. God intends sex in marriage. He affirms it. It matters when we honor sex within the marriage covenant. And it also matters when we think sex is okay outside of marriage or if we think that sex with someone other than our husband or our wife is okay. That matters. It matters to God and it matters to us. And as Christ followers, oh, we need to offer our friends who don't yet know Jesus a correct understanding of how to honor God with our bodies. These letters to the seven churches are speaking to us today. And as you make Jesus' words to the church of Thyatira personal, I want you to think about some questions. What are you tolerating? Where is that temptation a problem? Where are you going that you shouldn't go? What are you allowing in your mind that you shouldn't give space to? Where are your limits so that you don't need to address the sin after the fact? And who can you turn to to help you when you feel tempted? We are really, really good at rationalizing. We think once or twice won't make a habit. We can easily break it if it does. It's not hurting anyone. But friends, there is not enough space between the thing you're tolerating and the time it takes for it to become a sin. There is not enough space between the thing you're tolerating and the time it takes for it to become a sin. I know this is heavy stuff. When I looked at the preaching schedule and I saw that I was on the schedule for today, I immediately thought, oh, sweet Jesus, why didn't Doug or Ryan have this message today? Believe me, I went to them for input and advice and several others as I was preparing this. But I'm delivering what Jesus gave us in this letter, and I care about you. This is personal. It's a big deal. And as a church, we have the privilege of walking with others as we try to live lives that are honoring to God. Friends, we need to be compassionate with each other, but we also need to offer our brothers and sisters who might be tolerating a sin, we need to offer them a different life, a life of hope. A life of hope through repentance. You see, every decision has a consequence. And Jesus tells us if we don't repent, there will be strong consequences for our sin. Jesus said to them, and this gets personal. I gave her, the church, time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering. And those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. I will strike her children dead. 
All the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person. And I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. Whoa. What's your reaction to these verses? Do they give you a warm and fuzzy kitten, puppy dog, unicorn feeling? When I read these, they gave me a lump in my throat. Maybe they do you too. These words were hard for me to wrap my head around, and in my effort to understand better, I went to the professional. I connected with Dr. John Yates. That name may sound familiar to some of you. He is Pastor Emeritus at Grantham Church, Brethren in Christ, and he's Professor Emeritus of Messiah University. And I said to him, Dr. Yates, teach me on this. This is hard stuff to wrap my head around. And Dr. Yates draws a possible connection that I found interesting for our decisions have consequences conversation. You see, Jesus says in verse 20, and here's the the people's decision. This is what they did. I have this complaint against you. You're permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. Now here's the consequence for that sin. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering. And those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from their evil deeds. Dr. Yates helped me connect the dots on on this because he shared an analogy in these verses between the sin and the consequence of that sin. Go with me here. The people in the church of Thyatira were tolerating sexual sins, sex outside of marriage, sex with more than one person, unhealthy sexual relationships. That was a literal bed of sin. And Jesus is telling them that their punishment would be a bed too, a bed of suffering, bed here, bed there. I found that so interesting. Jesus was making the consequence clear to them. This church would lay in a bed of suffering if they did not repent. There are consequences for our sin if we don't repent. But repent is a good word. It's a saving word. It's not a condemning word. Repentance is our choice. And when we make that choice, that choice restores us into fellowship with Jesus. Our faith journey continues. Maybe God is having a conversation with you today. In your head, you're thinking of the ways that you're being tolerant. Take a moment and think about the consequence of that sin. The consequence of that thing you're tolerating. Forgiveness is there. Consider coming to Jesus for forgiveness today. There's a beautiful story in John 8 about a woman who was brought to Jesus after she was caught in the act of adultery. The the leaders had brought this woman to her and they were trying to catch Jesus And trying to make him stumble. Trying to have something that they could call him out on. But if you read this story, you know that when Jesus looks at this woman, 
he says, go and sin no more. He did not condemn her. Instead, he set her on her way, assuring her that there was going to be a new day. Her past was behind her. God made a way for us to be restored and returned into fellowship with him, and that involves repentance and turning from the sin. In beautiful Jesus fashion, he offers us some encouragement, and he cheers the church on in these next verses. But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching, deeper truths as they call them, depths of Satan actually. I will ask for nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. There were believers in the church who were sticking it out. They had not fallen astray. They were staying the course. And Jesus is asking this group to hold tightly to the faith they've been taught Jesus says, hold on tight. When the world is pushing against you, hold on. When you're tempted to compromise, oh, hold on. When everybody's doing it, hold on. Don't give in. Jesus says, hold on. Let's wrap it up and put that other bookend on our bookshelf with these closing words from Jesus. Hold on tight to your faith because to all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my father and I will also give them the morning star. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. John beautifully wraps it up by reminding us of the victory that will be ours if we keep the faith. We will receive the reward. We will get Christ one day, we will, but we will not just get heaven. We will get Jesus, who is the morning star. A morning star t- uh, occurs. You see a morning star right before daylight when the night is the coldest and the darkest. Jesus is there in our night when it's cold and it's dark. He is with us and he gives direction if our day seems dark because of that thing that we're tolerating. Friends, if there's something in your life that you're tolerating, you can trust that Jesus is brighter, he is bolder, and always, always, always stronger than your sin. Consider repenting today and let Jesus be your light. Consistent faith. Faith to the very end is the overarching theme of Revelation. And Dr. Yates says it this way. Revelation and the message to the church of Thyatira is to be faithful to the end. Be faithful in your marriage. Be faithful to the Lord. Be faithful to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Be faithful to the end. May the church of Thyatira spur us on. Spur us on to love well in the ways that we're already doing great and spur us on to victory as we daily surrender our lives to Jesus. If you'd like to respond to today's message, on your connection card, I've made this personal. There's a couple ways that you can respond. Please pray with me because I've been tolerant and there's something in my life that I need to repent of. 
or if the pastors, the staff, if we can contact you this week and further discuss this message, we want to promise to do that. Give us your contact information somewhere on your connection card, and Doug or Ryan or myself will connect with you this week. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord God, in these moments, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would intercede. And Lord, you would help us to realize the ways in our lives that we have become tolerant. Lord, you called out the sins in the church of Thyatira. And I pray in your sweet mercy that you would call those out in our lives. Lord, thank you for the hope that we have through repentance. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that before we leave today, you would examine our hearts and you would point us toward reconciliation and healing for the things that we're tolerating. Lord, thank you that you care. Thank you that repentance is a great word and it restores us in fellowship with you. Lord, we love you. We need you. And I pray all these things in your precious son's name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at crbic.org. That's crbic.org.